Welcome to Advantage. I'm your host, David Young, and I hope your week has been a good one. Here in Kentucky, the weather is starting to feel like fall, which is my favorite time of the year. In fact, this uh, weekend, I'm, I'm thinking about starting up the, the fire pit and kind of kind of hanging around outside, maybe put a long sleeve shirt on. Uh, it seems like these days fall doesn't last as long as it used to last, so I want to make sure I enjoy it while it's here. Uh, in our schools, students and teachers are starting to see the end of the first grading period on the horizon, and many of our districts have fall break coming up in early October. So if you're a teacher or a principal, I hope you've been able to connect with your students and colleagues. I hope you guys are supporting each other, and I also hope that you're energized about the year so far. You know, one note I want to make, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself while you're taking care of others. You know, I know many of you are probably like I am. I'm an achievement-oriented person. Uh, so I typically feel the best and the most energized when I'm working really hard, when I'm making things happen, and when I'm seeing results. And so th those are good things. Those I feel good about those qualities. But you can also burn yourself out pretty quickly uh, when you're so heavily driven by by those hard by hard work and those results. So for me, I have to make sure that I'm taking time to rest and especially to let my mind rest. So I want to encourage you today, make sure you find what works for you and uh, make sure you take care of yourself while you're taking care of others. So like last week's episode, uh, you know, last week's episode was about teaching and learning. And so we're, we're continuing on down that path. And today we have a very special guest. On the podcast today, I am joined by author, publisher, consultant, national speaker, teacher, and educational entertainer extraordinaire, Dave Burgess. And I may have not named all of the different things that he does. He, he's a busy guy. Uh, I seriously can't tell you how excited I am to get to talk with Dave today. Uh, if you're an educator, you might recognize Dave, uh, among other things, as the author of the best-selling book, Teach Like a Pirate. Now, I'm a former elementary school teacher and a former elementary school principal, so I love seeing pictures on social media of some teachers that have gone all in on Teach Like a Pirate. They are, they're embracing their passion as teachers, and you'll recognize them because they're dressed in pirate gear and uh, having a great time with their colleagues. And of course, it's not just elementary teachers, but those are the ones that I notice the most because that's where my background is. Anyway, if you haven't read Teach Like a Pirate, it is a fantastic read. It's uh, inspiring, has lots of great tips. Uh, for ways to craft lessons, and we're going to get into all of that uh, today, but it really digs into finding and keeping your passion and inspiration alive while teaching. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about Dave, though, before we start the interview. Uh, writing is only a piece of what Dave does. Uh, he publishes and promotes work by colleagues. Uh, he's a powerful social media influence, influencer in education, and he travels all over the country to inspire and motivate other educators. In fact, Dave will be a keynote speaker next year, and go ahead and mark your calendar, June 14th in Richmond, Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky University at the Central Kentucky EDUCON, E-D-U-C-O-N, like Comic-Con. Central Kentucky EDUCON, that's an event being hosted by My Educational Cooperative, CKEC, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, toward the end of the episode. So I could go on and on about Dave, but let me stop there 
and welcome Dave Burgess to Advantage. Dave, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Hey, I'm honored to be on the show. Super excited to be here. Even more excited about coming out to Kentucky in June and being a part of that event. Sounds fantastic. Can't wait to meet everybody face to face. It's a good deal, man. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I was explaining, uh, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording. It's That's a brand new event for us, uh, and we expect a really big turnout uh, for that. It's going to be a showcase of best practices that are happening in school districts throughout uh, the state, but particularly throughout central Kentucky. And then, of course, we're going to have you there as a keynote speaker. We think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I love to get in the same space with other educators. It's just so inspiring and so uplifting just to be all in one place and talking about our craft. I agree. So, Dave, I've I've given our listeners some information about you, but I'm sure I haven't covered some things I should have. Any anything you want to add there to let us know a little bit more about you? Hey, I know I'm I'm a you know like a, like you said a, a teacher, author, podcaster, speaker, publisher. <laughs> and yeah, so just got my hands in lots of different areas, but I uh, love all of them. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And, and we talked about your, uh, your home base is kind of out on the West Coast, right? That's right. So the majority of my life, I lived in San Diego, California. I just uh, moved last December to Vancouver, Washington. So still out here on the West Coast, but definitely a different climate. I'm getting used to getting used to the rain up here in <laughs> Vancouver. But uh, yeah, having a good time still on the West Coast. Now, I haven't gotten to visit San Diego. I, I had a conference I was supposed to go to in San Diego last year. I didn't get to go. I was so excited about it. I hear that San Diego has like the best weather in the United States. Is that true as somebody who, who grew up there? I would say it's pretty hard to beat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the things, you know, there, there's pros and cons, right? So, like, we don't get the seasons. So, yeah. you know, if, if you're a person who enjoys the seasons and the turning of the leaves and uh, spring showing up, all that kind of stuff like that. You're not going to get that in San Diego. You're just going to get uh, 70 partly cloudy all year long. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not too bad. I kind of like 70, even if it is partly cloudy. <laughs> all right, so so let's go ahead and jump in. So, so Dave, I follow you on social media. I mentioned how busy you are. I can see that from the things that I see you doing on social media. So talk to us a little bit. What motivates you to to do all the different types of work that you do? Yeah, so I'm super passionate about this work. It's what gets me up in the morning. And it started off, you know, my passion. I'm a big believer in following your energy. Like, what is it that you want to do when everything else is done? And follow, trying to make your life more about that. <laughs> and so for a long time, that it was started off as coaching. I was a coach. I was a basketball coach. And that was my passion. And I love working with the kids so much. Left the coaching and went into education. And then that became, you know, teaching became certainly my passion. And then when I started to write the book and do the workshops and all that, uh, that certainly became my passion. And now it's kind of been transformed even beyond that to now what I'm really passionate about is finding other educators who have power or doing powerful work and helping to amplify their message, helping them to spread their work. And so that's kind of the, the latest thing that's been on my plate is not so much, you know, certainly I'm still spreading my message. But I love to find other people doing great stuff and help them spread their message, too. Yeah, that was something that I didn't know about you when I first started learning. You know, I knew about Teach Like a Pirate. And uh, even even when we started, uh, you know, we were we were kind of uh, searching for you because I knew I wanted you to come in. I didn't realize how much you were doing amplifying other 
educators, other authors, other speakers. That's really cool on, on your website. I, I don't even know how many different books and publications and resources that you have on there that are lifting up other people that I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, we have over 185 books now mm -hmm. uh, from educators all over the world. We have an, a digital university of digital courses too that we're starting to build out a little bit. And so, yeah, there are so many educators out there doing incredible things and their work isn't getting seen by everyone and it could be so helpful. And so that's kind of what the mission is now is to help them to do that. I always tell people when I wrote Teach Like a Pirate, Hey, I wasn't trying to write the encyclopedia of teaching. <laughs> I was writing my, I was telling my story, things that I, that I had done in my classroom that I thought was successful, but it's not the whole story. My story is not the whole story. And so sometimes people will say like, are you ever going to write the, like the follow-up, like teach like a pirate part two? And I'm like, no, no, no. I told, I told my story and now it's time for me to fill in the gaps of some other people that are doing stuff that maybe I wasn't doing this so well in the classroom and, and help them spread their work. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, let me let me ask a coaching question. I didn't realize you had a background in coaching, particularly in basketball. That's something that we have in common. Uh, so the only difference is it sounded like you started coaching and then you started teaching. I started coaching and teaching at the same time. Um, but I really felt like uh, if you had talked to me early in my career, I really felt like that I was destined to become a high school basketball coach. Uh, that's what, it, that's what I thought I was going to do. I was going to continue to teach, uh, elementary school. And, uh, and over time, I just, I became really interested in the teaching and learning curriculum, uh, learning from other great teachers. And, uh, and then I got interested in doing some administrative things where I could lift up teachers and help all of our teachers be like our best teachers. And, uh, and, and the cool thing about that was once I got into that teacher leader role and then administrative role, there were so many parallels, I thought, between the things I learned in coaching and the things I was getting to do in my education life. Is that is that uh, if you you can't see Dave now, if you're a listener, he's nodding his head. That That's something that has resonated with you as well. Oh, absolutely. I believe the coaching, the teaching and coaching parallels are, you know, there's tons of them. And what makes for a good coach is often great teaching and what makes for a great a great teacher is often someone who's a good coach of their students and it's been a big part of my background um you know as a as a coach yourself you'll maybe enjoy this my first job as a human being i worked three summers for john wooden at the john wooden basketball camps in thousand oaks california wow. so at a really formative time in my life as a youngster i worked three consecutive summers week after week at the john wooden basketball camps and so i got to see him Every single week of the summer, come in and have the campers would sit on the floor of the gym. The parents on the first day would be in the bleachers and he would stand up and give his pyramid success talk, um, teach the campers how to tie their shoes all day, put their socks on and tie their shoes, all that kind of stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And then the parents would go home and we'd have the kids for uh, for the week. And it was an overnight camp and they would stay with us and we would teach basketball fundamentals, UCLA high post offense, all these things and have game, you know, camp, game, you know, intra camp games and things like this. Um, and so that was my first job as a human being. And then my first job in the school system is I was hired as a basketball coach before I even had a teacher credential. And then it ended up going back to night school to get my teacher credential and become a teacher on the campus. But yeah, that was for sure. I always tell people coaching was like my gateway drug into education. <laughs> yeah. And, and well, gosh, what better experience could you have than spending that time with John Wooden? John, you know, John Wooden, of course, known as maybe the best coach of all time. 
had that great combination of, of being a fantastic teacher, but also being motivational, uh, having a vision and being able to communicate that vision. He just had so many of those teacher and leadership uh, qualities about him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, his, um, uh, the impact that he had on his players was lifelong. You know, people, they, they still, people, anyone who played for him still talks about the impact of him that he had on their lives. And, and, and they're rarely talking about the basketball side of it, they're talking about the life side of it. And just as a little side note for, for listeners that maybe aren't familiar with as much familiar with John Wooden, uh, he also holds the distinction of being in the Hall of Fame as a player. So he's wow. he's in the Hall of Fame as a player and as a coach, but people kind of sometimes don't realize that he was also a great player too. Yeah, no surprise. I didn't know that either. I, I, mean, I knew he was a Hall of Fame coach. I did not realize he was a Hall of Fame player. Yep. So, Dave, I know you, um, you know, I've seen on social media, particularly in the months of August and September, you are just on the road. You are traveling and you're going and, uh, you know, helping districts kick off uh, their school year. So you're but I know you do that kind of work all year long as well. Uh, so you're spending a lot of time with educators across the country, teachers and administrators. Are there are there any um, sort of common areas of strength that you see and are there any common uh needs or areas of growth that you see as you work with educators in general yeah so for sure the area of strength is I mean, rarely do i find an educator that doesn't want to have a positive impact on kids mm -hmm. uh, this profession attracts people who are interested in helping to shape the next generation it's evident everywhere i go uh, people have lots of obstacles and challenges in education right now and the fact that there's still people showing up every day and getting in these classrooms and uh, putting in that time, that work, that soul to, to help kids is something that's truly inspiring and uh, something that hasn't changed. Now, on, this, on, on the other side of it, I think things have become really difficult right now. And you said something super powerful in the introduction to this episode. You said, hey, make sure you're taking care of yourself, too. And that's something I see as a big need right now. I think morale is pretty low a lot of places. Mm -hmm. I think the workload is overwhelming a lot of places. And it's never been more important to really uh, engage in that intentional self-care and really making sure that you're taking time to be at your best. And the way you can be at your best is to not run yourself into the ground because um, it's not good for you. It's not good for your students either. And there's a, kind of an interesting thing about Teach Like a Pirate that I tell people. Um, there's not a single education book referenced inside of it. Not a single one. <laughs> because And not, it's not because I don't like education books. I just told you I published over 185. It's because that's not where it came from. It was from the outside drawn in. Like my background as a coach did influence my teaching. Like how I break down instruction. How I give feedback to students. How I develop a motivational component to my class. Like how a, a coach can get a team ready to knock down a wall coming out of a locker room. I can do that with my students. My background as a magician influenced by sense of staging and showmanship and incorporation of props and things like this. My background as a, a marketer and entrepreneur. Uh, that, that's influenced how I, I use messaging in a persuasive way to try to influence my students. I'm, I'm selling my content to my kids, my background as an MC. Well, now, if you were to see me do a professional development, you might say like, is this a 
is this PD or is this a show? Like this guy's <laughs> going off off up there, right? While the person is used to speaking in a fast and flourishy way on a microphone in front of people. And so it's influenced my speaking style. All these things have come together to create the best me. But Teach Like a Pirate is not about teaching like me. It's about you taking your strengths and talents, your voice, and weaving it together with some of these human nature ideas to create the best you. And so when you sometimes honor your outside passions and interests and don't just have tunnel vision into education, but honor those outside passions and interests and be willing to develop new ones, not only is that good from a self-care st standpoint, but it's also good for your education because it gives you creative ammunition from other areas of life to bring back and draw into your classroom, into your school system. And so every time I've done that, it's always made me a better teacher. So when you unplug, go home on the weekend and get involved in some of your hobbies and things like that, that's not something that's just good as self-care. It's good for your teaching too. Sure is. And and I want to dig in. I, you use a term in Teach Like the Pirate or Teach Like a Pirate, creative alchemy. Uh, I really, I really love that. And, and you're kind of touching on that by, uh, you know, talking about having those passions that are outside uh, education. You know, if, if, if you're, if you're in this box where I'm always just thinking about how can I become a better teacher inside the box of education, it, it can be a little bit limiting, but every one of those passions that you follow or those books that you read or those, uh, you know, videos that you watch, whatever it is, when you're bringing in those experiences and that knowledge from outside, and then you can figure out how to combine those and put them into your teaching. Uh, it just makes you, it makes you that much stronger. It makes you, um, uh, you know, interact with uh, your students in a different way or maybe engage them in a different way. Am I framing that uh, the right way? Exactly. That's exactly the principle of creative alchemy is this idea that, you know, like what makes you the best, what, what is unique about you, your particular strengths and talents and your voice that you add to your classroom is what's going to make you most powerful and effective with kids. And so it's being willing to embrace that uniqueness and be able to embrace those things that make you who you are. And that's what's always going to make you most effective. Yeah, I totally agree. So let me ask, uh, you mentioned a minute ago that when you, uh, I just think this is a really interesting journey that you went on. When you wrote Teach Like a Pirate, um, that you didn't actually write the book first. Uh, you, you were, you were doing lots of things with teach like a pirate before you ever sat down to, to write the book. Can you, can you tell us that story? Yeah. So this went way back. I remember having a lunch with my department chair who's what, what he came in for lunch. He said, uh, you know what? I just got put on the professional development committee for the district and thought to myself, how cool would it be if you put, get, put together a workshop based on some of that crazy stuff you do down in your room that nobody understands? <laughs> and then, uh, but then he said something that changed my life, quite frankly. He said, but I don't think you can actually. I think that your success is kind of you. I think it's personality driven. I'm not sure it's something you could probably teach to other people. And he kind of just moved on. I got upset by that. I took it as a challenge. I'm like, sign me up to do one of those workshops. I'll do one of those workshops. So I signed up to do a full day workshop for the peers of my district. Now, a smart person would have said, give me a one hour session, right? I yeah. didn't have a work because I didn't have a workshop. I signed up to do a full day workshop, drove away from that meeting going like, oh my God, what have I just done? <laughs> like, I'm going to have to stand up six hours in front of my peers, you know, like the toughest audience in the world, right? Your peers yes. and, and give uh, and give a workshop. And so I got relentless at that point about writing down everything I did in my classroom that I thought was successful. 
and it became I became much more intentional about my teaching because I I it wasn't just like I I couldn't just say here's what I do I had to say like well why do I do that and why does that work and why doesn't this work and it forced me to become much more intentional about my craft and that's when I started to craft and develop the workshop and then I took that workshop on the road for about six seven years I think the first one uh was in 2000 summer of 2005 and my book didn't come out until 2012 so wow. for like seven years i traveled with the teach like a pirate workshop honing it crafting it getting it better and better and uh and, and just trying to spread my i just wanted to get in front of audiences with my message that's what i was passionate about and then and i always tell people that's one of the reasons why well, a couple things why it's a, a it's readable it's kind of a has a conversational feel to it mm-hmm. because it was drawn straight from my workshop i cheated i just sat down at the computer and started to type out what i say you know <laughs> i say how do you write a book well i've been speaking about it for 6 7 years i just started to type out what i say right and so that's why it has that kind of conversational feel to it but also it gave me a chat, chance to hone and craft it in front of an authentic audience like a lot of people will come to me now as a publisher, they'll say like, hey, I want to write a book and then go around and start speaking. I'm like, well, you you don't even know if the, if people are interested in this topic. Like you don't even like you haven't had a chance to see what part of it they want to know more about. What So when you speak first, you get to go in front of a live audience and you're seeing them staring back at you and you get to see what resonates, what doesn't. You get to see what slide pops up that they put their phones up and want to get a picture of that slide, that quote or whatever. You get to talk to them afterwards. They interact with you and say like, hey, I really love what you said about this, but like, could you explain this more? And you're like, oh, that's something I need to flesh out more. That's something I need to to hone in on. They're interested in that, but I didn't really cover it. And you start to, and, and you, your message will become more and more powerful before you get to a place where you're going to kind of make it permanent on the written page, you know? So that, that was a big part of my development. That's the, that we talk to our authors about all the time. Hey, don't write a book and go speak. Go speak and then write a book. Yeah, I really, I really like that. And I like what you said, too, about uh, you becoming more reflective about the type of teacher you are, you, you were becoming, you know, in education, we talk about being consciously competent. And so you were becoming consciously competent, you were already a great teacher. But maybe there were parts of what made you a great teacher that you maybe you did do those naturally, or maybe you just you hadn't really internalized why is it that this thing that I do uh, works. And, and I really like uh, the fact then that you, uh, that you thought beyond, you know, what is, what are the things about me? How can I teach other people to bring those things in about themselves? Because I think sometimes as teachers and administrators, we, it's so easy for us to see someone that has a different personality type or different gifts than, you know, natural gifts than that we have and to just kind of write it off. Like, well, I can't be that person like that. That's yeah that's just not me and maybe that isn't you but that doesn't mean that there aren't things that you have that you bring to the table that are just as valuable when you package them uh, in the right way yeah i'm all i always try to convince teachers administrators to 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 give professional development like hey sign up for that district event sign up for that uh, area uh, conference that's going on state conference national conference whatever it is sign up and do professional development because that's going to make you so much better when you have to kind of capture what it is that you do the special unique like kind of your uh secret sauce for education mm-hmm. and you have to capture that it's going to make you so just the process of doing that you're gonna to have to be so reflective 
And it's going to make you so much more intentional and it's going to allow you to replicate those successes that you have in the classroom. That's what happened for me. Some of it was something that's things that maybe I had just done naturally, but then when I had to capture it and teach it, it was like, oh, you know what, actually I could start layering this in more often. Now that I see what it is that I'm doing that's successful here, I can, I can make sure that I do this next week too. And so it, it's, it's a powerful process. And so I, I love to see, um, you know, one of the things I'm excited about, about your, the event in June is you told me that other educators from the area are going to get up in the afternoon and be able to share some of the successes and things that they're doing in their classroom. And it's just going to kind of just build the capacity for everybody who's involved in the event. I love that. Yeah, thanks. We, uh, it, it is going to be awesome in that way. We have uh, 31 school districts and all 31 of them, it's it's a two-day event. You know, we'll have many of them that will be presenting both days on something awesome that they do that impacts kids in a powerful way and is something that another school or another district could emulate and do for their kids as well. It's a way for us to try to strike the balance between you know, the competitiveness that exists within, you know, district to district and school to school and, but also collaborating and, and being about what's best for kids and, uh, and just trying to help each other out. So I think it's going to be a great event. I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, uh, you know, we, I was thinking a minute ago about lessons. So, uh, so when I train teachers and principals, there's a, there's a particular training I do called components of an ideal lesson. And, and it really gets into just these, these anchor points, these things that, you know, you can, you can have, uh, you can have elements beyond these, uh, but one of those, uh, but you need to have those components, whether you're a kindergarten teacher or a middle school science teacher or a high school you know, AP chemistry teacher, whatever the case may be. But one of those elements is the hook uh, of the lesson. And I, I just believe that the hook is so important. In Teach Like a Pirate, you have an entire section of the book crafting that's about crafting engaging lessons. And it has probably 30 or 40 different hooks uh, that you can use in lessons. So just wanted to ask, you know, what what do you think makes the hook, what's the, what makes the hook stick out to you as such an important aspect uh, of effective teaching? Yeah. And so I have kind of a confrontational line in the book that uh, it goes something like this. I said, um, it doesn't matter what you say if nobody's listening. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, someone can be have incredible content knowledge, be an expert in their field and know everything there is but if they cannot engage their class, they, they could be saying, they could be dropping pearls of wisdom <laughs> from, from, and if nobody's listening, it doesn't matter. Right. And same thing with how long you like, well, you know, bell to bell, bell to bell instruction. Like if nobody's listening, it doesn't matter how long you teach either. It always comes back to engagement, always comes back to capturing that audience, capturing your audience and drawing them in and making them, you know, want to want to learn what it is that you're teaching. So having that hook and layering those hooks. The other thing that I see sometimes people, well, well, I did, I I started my class with a hook and they're like, I don't understand what happened. Like 27 minutes in, I like, I don't have, well, what you, you thought that hook was going to last 27 minutes. <laughs> no, it, you have to layer, you have to layer hooks in everything you do throughout your entire lesson. That's like, I sometimes use a steak analogy. I'm like, Hey, that's turning the steak over and basting the other side. Right. Mm -hmm. That's like the side dishes, beverages, desserts, and all these things like this. 
And so it's not one hook and you're done. You're layering these things. And so those hooks are super important to really get kids locked in to what's going on in the classroom. Yeah, you you want you want them to be engaged. You want them to be on the edge of their seat. You want them to be, uh, you know, anticipating what it is that's about to happen. And 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 I always tell my teachers and, and principals, you know, bonus points if you can connect it to something that they already know <laughs> during that Absolutely. hook. If you can, I mean, that's if you can do those two things, man, you're really setting yourself up for a segment of powerful learning. And and then to your point, you got to layer another hook in there. And then we're, then we're going to go to the next chunk of the lesson. Yep, absolutely. Uh, a minute ago, we mentioned creativity. So I want to get back to creativity. Uh, you know, I, of course, I'm CEO of, of this educational cooperative and, and it's a new, it's a different kind of role. It's different than a, being a superintendent or an assistant superintendent or a principal uh, or a teacher uh, because it's this weird hybrid between being in the education system, but also leading a nonprofit. Uh, so there's this whole idea of entrepreneurial thinking uh, that's here, and that requires creativity. Um, so, you know, I have to think creatively about, you know, new learning, learning resources and new ways of thinking and creatively solving problems. And it's been really cool for me because I didn't realize I really hadn't been using the creative part of my brain as much as I should have since I was a teacher. Now, when I, when I was a teacher, I was engaging that creativity. I probably wasn't as much as a building and, uh, and district administrator. If I could go back, I really would uh, and, and use the, my creativity more. But I have found in this job that it um, I'm developing that skill set and it's really energizing to me like I really like thinking creatively and sort of challenging myself uh, to do that and I I know you have a lot to say about uh, creativity uh, as well and a, a couple couple things that I've heard you say or, or uh, read about um, you know we talked about creative alchemy a minute ago um, You've also mentioned that contrary to popular belief, creativity normally doesn't happen like a blinding flash of light, which I, which I love. Uh, and then you've got a really cool story called the six, it's the six words uh, story. So I don't know how deep we can go into creativity, but I like your take on it. Uh, so I want to give you a second to talk a little bit to our listeners about your thoughts on creativity. Yeah, so for sure. So for the six word story, you all gonna have to show up in on uh, in June. <laughs> that's for right. The keynote. That's a that's a, a a centerpiece of the keynote. We talk about those six words, um, and but what you said is absolutely true. Creativity is not. I call it the myth of the blinding flash of light. Mm -hmm. Some people think there's creative people and not creative people, and creativity is just something that you know that they get struck with these ideas like a like a lightning out of the sky. And if you're not creative, you go like, oh man, I don't get those flashes of light. If only I could get those flashes of light, right? Mm -hmm. And like I always tell people, like, I'm here to tell you, that's not the way creativity works. Like, so th there's a process to creativity. There's work to creativity. There's a system to creativity. You can become more creative. All of us are creative. Teachers are unbelievably creative. Sometimes they're not asking themselves a creative brand of question. Mm -hmm. And so that's why like E.E. E. Cummings says, always the beautiful answer who asks a more beautiful question. Mm -hmm. And that's how I, what I believe in, ed, in education too, is that if you really work on the kind of questions that teachers are asking when they're developing and designing their lessons, you can change the whole classroom. You can change the whole creative output. I've done this time after time with uh, teachers in workshops where I'll give them uh, I call them an extreme hook, like a teach like a pirate extreme hook challenge. I'll give them this kind of wild question. 
and set them loose to collaborate with each other and connect. And you see laughter in the room, you see fun. And then I, uh, you know, see brainstorming and then uh, I'll stop. Okay. And I start to get the ideas from them. And in like 90 seconds, they'll come up with this wildly outrageously creative ideas. The same group of people that said like, well, I'm not very creative. <laughs> will have come up with something incredible in 90 seconds, all because they asked themselves a different type of question. And so uh, Tony Robbins said, questions are the laser of human consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so it really hones you in and, and connects you to your creative uh, spirit. And it's like I said, the, the key point though, is that all of us can access that. All of us can tap into that. And it's just, just like anything else, it's a skill, it's a skill set that you have to, you have to develop. Yeah. Again, I can personally attest to that. I, I literally have gone my, my uh, former role. I was an assistant uh, superintendent and my boss uh, was a visionary, very creative person. I mean, he was awesome. Um, but my role a lot of times was participating some on the beginning of that creative vision. But then my role was really kind of making those things happen. And uh, so I had a period of years there that were very successful years, but I wasn't working that creative part of my brain that much. And in this position I am, but it does require work. I mean, you, yeah. you do, you do have to work at it. You have to practice being creative. You have to read a lot. Uh, you have to, you have to uh, pay attention to other things that are happening that are creative around you. And uh, it's a process, but once you start to work those muscles, uh, it's sort of like a, it has sort of a snowball effect and, and uh, you become, you start to think that way more often. And, and I'm with you, our, our teachers and our administrators in our schools and districts, you know, they have that creativity inside them. It's just a, it's just a matter of exercising those muscles. Yeah. One, one of the key questions I have people to, or one of the kind of a mindset that I have people look at the world with, as I say, always ask, how can I use that? So as you're, as you're going through life, as you're going through your day-to-day -day activities and you come across things, you're like, how can I use that? Like, how can I use that in my class? When that current event comes up that everyone's talking about, it's yeah. not just like, oh, that's an interesting event. It's how can I use that? Go, yeah. man, maybe I can open my class with that tomorrow. I bet you, I bet you they've been listening to that. Um, when you see that thing that goes viral in social media, how can I use that? Yeah. You know, so Arg Buckminster Fuller has a quote that I love. He says, don't fight forces, use them. And so a lot of people get upset, for example, with like what kids are into, like, oh, I can't believe they're into this thing. Like it's gone viral. And like, it's, and they get so frustrated with what kids are currently into. And rather than getting frustrated, get curious and say like, hmm, that's interesting. Like that got big really fast. I wonder how I can use that in my classroom. I wonder how I can reference that to draw them in. So it's that, how can I use that mindset? I like it. Dave, if you, uh, if you had to distill your advice for, educators down to just a couple of key things number one is that it, is that possible and then if it is what might what might those couple pieces of advice be yeah so one of them we talked about already this idea that what is unique about you is what's going to make you the best teacher yep. and so if you are trying to um teach like somebody else now certainly you can learn from somebody else sure. you can take the, the the best stuff that they do and see how you could adapt it but it always what is unique about you is going to what's going to make you most powerful so really leaning into that the other thing i would say 
is that this is tough stuff that we do. And so you have to find something more to focus on than just some test scores at the end of the year. <laughs> you have to embrace that mightier purpose of being an educator. We are literally in the life-changing business. So when you can embrace that mightier purpose of being an educator, it becomes much more easy to put in that work, to come in, to get into this classroom and to really uh, um, excel. And so that's another thing that I would say. And then the third thing I would say is I, I, I talk about teaching as sort of this triple Venn diagram. There's your content. Mm -hmm. That's one circle. You have to have that content or you're just an entertainer or a babysitter. We don't want to be that, right? Right. And then there's this second circle of techniques and methods. And we have a whole toolbox of techniques and the methods that we've got from our colleagues, from our trainings, from credential programs, from conferences that we attend, from uh, books that we've read. Lots of books have been written about techniques and methods, lots of ways to learn your content. But then there's this third circle that a lot of people don't talk about. And that third circle is what I label presentation. So yeah, you know your content. Yeah, you've got all those these techniques and methods that you've put together in your, your career as an educator. But now, how are you going to present it in such a way that it's engaging for kids? How are you going to present it in such a way that it's relevant for them? How are you going to present it in such a way that it draws them almost magically or magnetically into what you're doing in your classroom? That's the third circle of Teach Like a Pirate. And that's what we talk about. And that's what I'll be talking about um, in June come, coming to Kentucky. So excited to talk about that third circle, about how they can take what they're already doing and saying, here's my content, not good enough. Now, mm -hmm. how do I make it come alive? How do I make it memorable? How do I create an experience around this? So that's another one of the key lines and takeaways from Teach Like a Pirate is don't just teach a lesson, create an experience. Yeah, I love that. I, I I use the word episodic a lot. There's some research that says that we, you know, we remember things in episodes. And so whenever, you know, I think about back in the days before Netflix, when, you know, TVs you know, were, were in episodes, uh, that's, you know, you, you tend to remember when there's, when there's a situation, when there's a happening, when there are, when there are factors that are kind of layered around this, this content or this information that, that you're going to learn. So when you say making an experience, it an experience, it makes me think about that, re uh, that research that says that we learn and we remember things in episodes when the learning is episodic. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, let me let me switch before we come down the home stretch. I want to switch over because, you know, we've been talking about teaching and learning, uh, but we did touch on your work as a publisher uh, and and lifting others, uh, other people's work up. Uh, how does that part of your business work and, and what made you choose that uh, as a pathway and what do you love about it? Yeah, so when Teach Like a Pirate first came out, um, I had the good fortune to have it kind of go viral. And went, uh, and it's kind of surreal to say this, but Teach Like a Pirate now, it's like, uh, it's, it's in Korean, two forms of Chinese, Russian, Spanish. And we've sold over like half a million copies of it from the house. Wow. And so it was, it's been this like wild ride, right? Mm. And so other people started to come and say like, hey, we don't want to sign those contracts either. Like I, and cause I, I really fought back against the traditional publishing contracts and how they're set up. Don't think it's fair. And um, you know the what the percentages that they're paying to authors and the lack of creative control, loss of intellectual property rights, all those things were so bothersome to me that we formed our own publishing company and published Teach Like a Pirate from a laptop at the kitchen table. That's where it started. Wow. And then other people started to come and say like, hey, we don't want to, like, how are you doing this? I just keep seeing this Teach Like a Pirate thing everywhere, but you don't have some big company. I don't understand. How I would meet with them and tell them everything I had done. 
but there was still stuff that was holding people back. And so finally we said, you know what? It's time to disrupt this industry. Whenever you see an industry that's based on an outdated model, that means it's time for disruption. It's ripe for disruption. And so we said, you know what? We know how to do this. We did it with Teach Like a Pirate. Let's start doing it with their books too. And so we started to find people that we thought had powerful messages that complemented my message. And uh, we signed them, started to put their books out too. And then some of those books started to take off and spread. And, um, you know, so if you're an avid reader of PD books, maybe some of your favorite books are published at my house. You just didn't even know it. Like uh, <laughs> The Innovator's Mindset with George Kuros. Yep. Uh, Kids Deserve It, Adam Welcome, Todd Nesloni. The Wild Card, Hope and Wade King. Um, Ditch That Textbook with Matt Miller. Um, all the Alice Keeler, Google Classroom, but all these books, they're published at uh, my house. And so that became kind of the the new mission. And what I'm really super excited about is uh, sharing, sharing other people's messages. Th this is a common thing someone will say to me. Hey, uh, how come this, how come you didn't talk about this in your book? Or like, I noticed there's not a lot of educational technology in your book. Mm -hmm. And I always say to them something that's uh, kind of takes them by surprise. I'll say, well, I'm going to tell you exactly why there's not a lot of educational technology in my book. It's because I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and like, I wanted it, I wanted it to be written from an authentic place. Yeah. Like if I, if I wasn't doing it successfully in my classroom, I'm not going to write about it. Mm -hmm. These are all things I was doing successfully in my classroom, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that's super powerful in education that just quite frankly, I wasn't that good at. And so what my job became was to find people who were good at it and help them share their story. That's why I did connect with people like a Matt Miller for educational technology or an Alice Keeler for educational technology or people that are great at project-based learning or whatever it might be, uh, things that maybe I struggled with sometimes. And that kind of helped us build out and shape you know, the, li the line of um, educational books that we have for, for people. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I noticed one, and I, I wish I could remember the author now. You may roll off the top of your head. Uh, there's a there's a new one, you know, artificial intelligence is really the big hot topic uh, right now. And, and I know you guys, I've seen where you've been promoting it on social media, a book about AI for educators. I think it's really interesting. I'm, I'm uh, planning to order a copy very soon because as a regional service agency like we are, I mean, that's a role that we need to play to help to help our schools and districts know how to integrate uh, AI into the work that they're doing. Yeah. And that is, that's, that is Matt Miller, by the way. So okay. Matt has several books with us. He started with ditch that textbook. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he also wrote tech like a pirate, by the way, about how to use technology using my hooks from teach like a pirate, but you, you showing how to use them with educational technology. And then he also his most recent book is AI for educators. A, what you said about AI is a perfect example of what I said earlier about the, how can I use that? It's very easy to be overwhelmed by the latest technology. It's very easy to be overwhelmed by what's on the horizon. Like, oh my gosh, this AI thing, I don't understand it. It's so, I, I don't know how I can use this. Like, what are kids going to do? Are they going to be cheating with it? Like, you know, it's very easy to be overwhelmed. Or you can have that mindset that our Buckminster Fuller, don't, don't fight forces, use them. So like, how can I use that to be more effective? And so that's kind of what Matt's book is about. Yeah, so I agree. That's that's all part of that similar type mindset. Awesome. Dave, you've given so much good advice and so many good tips today. Before we before we sort of sign off and, and wrap up here, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I 
on Advantage, we have a lot of uh, building and district administrators who listen, but we have some leaders outside education. We have some teachers uh, who listen. Anything we haven't covered that's just something you want to make sure uh, that you point out or a, a little bit of advice that you'd like to give to those folks? Yeah, you know, so you mentioned that you have a lot of uh, administrators, leaders who are listening. Mm -hmm. So maybe um, I'll add a couple things from their standpoint. Great. Uh, it's really popular right now to say that you uh, embrace innovation and risk taking. We want risk takers. We want innovators. We want people. It's, that's a super popular kind of thing to say in school leadership right now. And we, do, I always tell leaders like, hey, we don't, we don't really know if that's true until we find out what happens when somebody fails. Mm -hmm. like it's easy to say, like, we want risk takers. Well, how do you respond when somebody fails then? Because if you're asking for people to be innovative and you're asking for them to be risk take, to take some risks in their classroom, that by definition means that sometimes it's not going to go well. And now how do you come in? Do you come in in an evaluative and judgmental way? Or do you come in in a way that is supportive and celebrates the courage it took to take that innovative step, to celebrate the courage it took to risk something in their classroom. And if you celebrate that, that courage, and if you come in in a way that is supportive of like, hey, you know, that didn't work, but I'm so proud of you for trying something new. Let's see how we can make this work next time. Uh, you will see more innovation and risk taking in your system. If you come in in a, an evaluative way, a judgmental way, you'll see less in your system. And so that it always, it comes back to that. And then the last thing I would say for leaders is people will often say to me, like, how do I change the culture of my school? Like, maybe I want to have like a teach like a pirate kind of spirit in my staff. Like, how, how can I do that? And I always tell them, like, well, you, you can't announce change from the podium. Like, you're not going to stand up and, 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 and announce change. Change doesn't get announced. Change gets built at a grassroots level. And I, looked, I like to look at it like building a snowball. And if you wanted to build a giant snowball, and you went out into the snow, you try to scoop it all big, all of it up in your arms at one time, what would happen? It would crumble and it would fall away with you and end up with nothing. That's not the way you build a snowball. The way you build a giant snowball is you get a little bit in your hands, you shape it, you mold it, you pack it tight. And then when that gets tight, you add a little bit more, a little bit more, and you work with that, you mold it and you get a little more. And eventually it gets big enough where you can set it on the ground and you can roll it and everything starts to stick. That's the same way you change the culture of a school. You, you don't announce from the point, it's, you find the people that do want to be a part of something different, do want to be a part of something that cre creative, do want to be a part of something innovative, and you work with them, and you, you have that, and the energy and enthusiasm that radiates out from that group will start to attract other people in, you start to add them to the mix, eventually it gets big enough where you can set it down in your whole system and roll it out, right? But it always starts... Sometimes people will say like, you probably don't want to meet with us for this book study group. We only have, there's only five of us. And we meet at lunch, like in the lounge. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm. Of course I want to meet with you. I'm going to zoom in. Of course I want to zoom in with you. Cause that's where it has started at every single school. Every single school is a small little group. And said like, hey, let's read this book together or let's try this. And then the enthusiasm that spreads forward, the energy that comes out of that book will attract everybody in. And next thing you know, it's across the school, right? And so don't allow your energy to be dissipated by maybe a pocket of negativity or apathy on your mm -hmm. campus. Find the snowball, work with them. And that's always going to be what builds that giant snowball in the end. Love it. Dave, uh, how can our listeners learn more about you and, and uh, more about the work that you're doing? 
Yeah. So uh, if on social media, it, on I'm used to saying Twitter. I guess I have to start saying X yeah, now. X, right? I know it's so hard to remember. <laughs> yeah. So on X, I'm at Burgess Dave. My name just flipped around to Burgess Dave. Uh, if you're an Instagram person, I am DBC underscore INC. I am a brand new uh, TikTok <laughs> educator. <laughs> I'm at pi pirate.teacher on TikTok. That's new. I only have like three things up there, but hopefully more by the time this comes out. Um, and I have the podcast, The Dave Burgess Show. I would love to have you listen to The Dave Burgess Show. 44 episodes are up there now. More coming soon. And if you want to get connected with the company, it's DaveBurgessConsulting.com. Sounds good, man. Dave, today was awesome. I, I was so excited about it, and it was just as good or better than I, than I hoped it would be. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, it was fun to be on your show. And like I said, I can't wait to meet everybody face-to-face -face in June. Same here. Okay, so that's going to wrap us up for another episode of Advantage. Thanks again to Dave Burgess for joining me today, and thank you for listening. Don't forget that Dave will be joining us at Eastern Kentucky University on June 14th, 2024 for Central Kentucky Educon. Registration is open now. If you'd like to come, you can get more information at www.ckec.org. Again, www.ckec.org. I'll put that link in the episode uh, description as well. And uh, so in, until next time, hope you have a great week and take care.